that makes me really happy. Do I you uh, watch it happen? Are you a fan of the uh, the Coral and Rick memes? You know, when like he's like Coral and he's telling him a bad like dad joke, and he's like, "Dad, stop!" Oh yeah, Carl. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "No one in Antarctica has COVID nineteen, Dad. Don't. It's because they're isolated, Coral." <laughs> Dad, please stop. <laughs> Isolated Carl. Isolated Carl. Oh, that dude, those are so funny. I love when they edited him, getting him closer together. Yeah. <laughs> God, I, I don't even remember what that scene was. I used to love The Walking Dead so much. Dude, I, I should have been into it more. Like, I watched the first five episodes when they were released but i i remember i think we were in college right when uh, it came out yeah so i went because i remember being home and my dad had like you know dvr'd them and we watched them backwards on accident so we watched the finale and then oh, watched fuck. the next ones and we're like oh oh we're watching them in the wrong order um on that note i got a funny story for you today but uh keep going (laughs) well my story is essentially over but after that like i went back to school and just never watched it like oh dang i I didn't really watch anything i don't know what goes on all i know is i'm pretty sure john bernthal's in it right uh is that the guy with the deep ass voice yeah who like takes rick's wife while they all think he's dead oh the punisher punisher Yes, he's in it. He's amazing. Yeah. He's like the first kind of bad guy. I would say antagonist is the I correct love that term. Guy. That's the first time I saw him. Um, he was really cool in that. Uh, but of course he was born for the fucking Punisher. Oh, yeah. Dude, they're bringing him back, I think. I mean, it only makes sense. They're bringing back Daredevil, right? They better, dude. Charlie Cox had better be Daredevil forever. Uh, like, I want to see him with, like, a walker in the suit, but the suit is, like, too big for him now because he's all old and crinkly. It's, like, yep. is, like wearing a big coat at this point. Just a, a paunch belly coming out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he handles, like, crimes that happen on his lawn. Like... <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh shit, it's old man Daredevil. And then, uh. He's just in his rocking chair, and he's close up on his nostrils, and you see him smelling. <laughs> it smells like plastic. And it zooms out, and there's a bunch of flamingos in his lawn. <laughs> the sign that says, You've been flocked. He's like, Gotta get those church kids. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, I fucking love that. Um, hey, what's is, is this a podcast we're doing? What what is this? I thought so. Um, I'm pretty sure this is the Alex and Sterling Watch Stuff podcast. Yeah. Um, this is where we watch, drink, review. We watch different movies and TV shows. We drink a whole lot, and then we review those things for you guys. Um, and in this case, we sent out a sweet survey, uh, because we were fucking tired of thinking up our next podcast ideas on our own. Um, the survey said, what director should we focus on for our next episode? And we had a boatload of submissions and 
before we get to what we settled on, I would like to absolutely point out and talk shit about my brother who was not following directions. And we said, which director should Alex and Sterling choose movies from for their next podcast? And my brother didn't say director. He just said Nightmare on Elm Street and all the Airbud movies. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. All the Airbuds. And this is not the first time he's told me that we need to watch Airbud. He is obsessed, and it's really important to him that we watch Airbud. So we never will. So we're, we're not going to. Uh, we should tell him our whole saga about The Expanse. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Brady, when people tell us to do shit, we don't do it. Oh, my God. Like, you guys keep pushing the last airbender on me. I'm just like, guys, it's not going to happen. That's that's why I made it public that I was setting you free. I was like, you know what? Beating it over your head isn't going to make you watch it. That's that, right. That's it. Um, and leaving you alone will probably not make you watch it, but I think the chances are better if it's left alone. That's correct. I'm not completely disinterested in it, but having it pushed on me all the time, I'm like, I'm doing this out of spite. Here's, Here's the problem for me, and tell me if you agree with this and if you experienced it when you watched The Last Airbender. We We were talked to about the expanse so fucking hard and for so fucking long that my expectations and my hopes for it were just way too high way high happens every time with anything that's why when i'm really excited about something i want to tell a lot of people about it but i also want to try i don't always succeed but i want to try to do it in a low-key way where I'm that like, hey, I point. think you can dig this. It's pretty cool. Not be like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen, heard, watched, witnessed, experienced, whatever. Like, I want to explode all over people about certain things. And I <laughs> try to hold it back. And I'm like, hey, it's pretty cool. Because if you do that, then they'll watch it or hear it or whatever. And they'll be like, meh, it was all right. Yeah. Um, the The one thing that I feel very comfortable fucking blasting into people's faces now is uh invincible the graphic novel series which is soon to be made an animated series by seth rogan oh nice Uh, fun fact i have yet to start that one um i was going to and i was when you gave it to me i was in the middle of something else and i was like hey i'm not going to start this until i finish this other thing and now i'm not so it's probably a good opportunity for me to get it from somebody. I gotta, I gotta get it back to you, and I'm gonna try to not geek out all over it. Um, fun fact: the same guy who wrote the Walking Dead, the whole series, wrote Invincible. Oh, uh, really? The guy yeah. is is kind of fucking really talented. Like a super savant. Holy yeah. hell! Yeah, and Invincible is far superior to Walking Dead way better i think people were just like super fucking into zombies and they were like "Ooh, we have a lot of source material here for a sick zombie show let's do it it, was it a comic book series before a show walking Uh, dead walking dead oh yeah oh yeah i didn't know that see whenever that's me that's my ignorance that's my ignorance talking whenever i see something like that where it's been a show and the the show was the first time I heard about it. And then I see comic books. 
what I see is a company cashing in on popularity, and I'm like, oh, now they're making comic books about it. Mm-hmm. This is dumb. But if it was comic books before, I feel like that's cool. Like, that's really dope that somebody made that, in that medium especially, and then it was a show. So I'm just dumb, I guess. I was listening to this podcast about how, like, the uh, people who were behind comic books wanted more creative input, like, in Hollywood. And people were very, I mean, understandably not down for it. They're like, excuse me, Stan Lee, you want input on this fucking multi-bazillion dollar project? I don't think so. And then they started letting people in, and it was very effective. And it started working. Extraordinarily effective. Um. So I th- I think that's what's what's gonna go down. Like um, last Airbender, they're making a live action for Netflix. Uh, Robert Kirkman has stepped in to do um, Invincible with Seth Rogen on Amazon. I oh my god, and it's voiced by people from The Walking Dead too, which is a weird tie-in. Oh nice. Um, I'm just stupid, stupid excited for that. Um. Takes a while because I need to. I want to read it before it becomes a show. <laughs> like they're they're fucking fat, thick Bible-sized books. They're straight up dictionaries. But like There's four of them, right? The, yeah. The thing is, like they're they're graphic novels, so like it's not like reading a book at all. So you'll there will there's a lot of dialogue in certain pages, but then like for straight. Uh, like a, the size of like a novel there's like intense wars and violence and it's just no words and it's just people beating the fuck out of each other and shooting each other and stuff yeah it's it's bananas and i when i was reading it i was just so into it i was sending you guys pictures and there was like a uh like a four or five page panel like panels back to back so like four squares probably like let me think Three or four squares stacked on top of each other, so 12 squares a page, if you can think about that. Mm-hmm. Four pages of a guy lifting his head and bashing someone else's head while they're on the ground because his his arms are, like, tied behind his back and he has nothing else. So he just uses his head to blow out this guy's face, and he oh, just does it he's dead, and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> so brutal. Um, I know. I think the one thing I remember you sending was just like the most graphic murder ever. I was like, oh, all right. Oh god, it was so good. So so good, dude. Um I I think it's more important and a bigger deal than Last Airbender. I think it's that good. I appreciate that. And you've been uh, talking about it for years. So, oh, so it's gotta be good. Um Okay, so uh sidetrack. Um I want you to elaborate on this on our winner on our winner yeah okay first of all we need to cheers and then i will elaborate oh cheers dude boom all right so um we did submit a survey for everyone to fill out not fill out but just answer a question what director should we focus on for tonight's episode and the we'd gotten a couple similar responses so i think that's what kind of drove us to the answer we got but we ended up at uh submitter timur bear tim uh thank you so much 
for uh, advising us on the two directors you did. You submitted Guy Ritchie and Danny Boyle. And uh, I actually have a relationship with Timur. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> which, is the, which is the meat, which is the juice. Uh, <laughs> his daughter was my first girlfriend. And no way. And so before we started recording, I I gave Sterling a little teaser that there was a hilarious story uh, involved here. There was quite a few, but there's one that will forever stick with me. Um, so for the story to be even funnier, you've got to understand that Tim is like a big dude. Like he's not super tall, but he's yoked. Like oh shit. He's like a big guy. He's got like a jawline that's just intimidating as hell. He had like, you know, some goatee action and like slick black hair. He had uh, tattoos everywhere and uh, a relatively deep voice. So it's like my, you know, I'm a, I'm a little wimpy, skinny kid <laughs> and I'm dating this dude's daughter. Oh, that's got to feel weird. He's pretty intimidating. He's a pretty scary guy. Um, so there was one day I was over at their house and he was doing the dishes or something and he had his shirt off and he's got tattoos everywhere and he's got a tattoo on the back of his neck that's in another language. Oh God. And I'm like trying my best to make like small talk and not be awkward while I'm like waiting for his daughter to get dressed or ready or whatever the heck she's doing. Yeah. I'm alone with her dad who's like jacked and I'm like, okay, like, Hey, Hey, what does that say? What's this tattoo mean? And he looks at me like kind of side-eyed, kind of slow, <laughs> and doesn't answer right away. Just stares at me and says, eat at Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> no fucking way. No way. Oh, that hits me onto like a deep, deep level. <laughs> <laughs> and it, like it will forever stick with me as this like super scary moment and he's just <laughs> hey what does that tattoo mean because it's like on your body in ink and it looked old like it had been there for a long time yeah what does that say eat at joe's <laughs> <I can't... laughs> uh, so i don't know if you remember that tim but um oh that's we'll fucking never forget <laughs> i wonder i if he's listening, and I, I assume he is, uh, because he submits shit to the show, I really want to know if there's a Joe's he went to, or if that's from, like, old cartoons. Do you remember the old cartoons where they used to say that all the time? I, I don't think it actually said, eat at Joe's. Oh, really? It was in Vietnamese. So um, I think he was just screwing with me hard. He's just messing with me super hard. Wait, I so think. What I it actually really? never learned what it actually said. Oh my god, that's so, important. No idea. I mean, if there's ever been a reason this podcast has been alive, it's to find out what the true translation of the... <laughs> is. Dang, we've got to find out what that is. That's fucking so funny, dude. I'll, I'll text him, I'll find out what it is. And tell him he has an episode next week. I will. Um, I'm very excited. Um, so so yeah, that's Tim. That's my relationship with Tim. That you, was. Damn, that was probably like. That was like 10 years ago. 
Well, we're getting old, man. We're at the point where we can start referencing things that were 10 years ago. Like, that's insane. Oh, yeah. 10 so years ago. That's bonkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he submitted, uh, he said, Guy Ritchie or Danny Boyle. And I feel like we talk about Guy Ritchie shit quite frequently. And we've covered a couple Guy Ritchie movies. And Danny Boyle didn't immediately come to mind. I don't know about you. Like yeah, his- same. I, I did not know who that was. Um, and I thought I did. When I heard it, I was like, that name's not super familiar, but it's yeah. probably in the realm of Guy Ritchie. Yeah. And uh, I was wrong. I was very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. Um, and the when I looked up the movies, they were all vastly different. That was one thing I was going to reference, dude. I didn't know that he did 28 Days and 28 Weeks Later. Um, I feel like those are very distinctive. And then you have things like Train Spotting and Steve Jobs. And I was like, that's... I didn't see Steve Jobs. He did that too? Mm-hmm. Holy hell. Uh, I mean, he's talented for his good movies that he makes, but he's talented in the way of like making unique movies from himself. Like, you know, you see a movie and you're like, ah, this is Tim Burton. Ah, this is fucking, I don't know. Steven Spielberg. This is, or even Guy Ritchie. You see a Guy Ritchie Ritchie. movie and you can smell it and you're like, okay, like I could, I could see this is a Guy Ritchie movie or in a similar fashion. I would actually relate these two. I think Guy Ritchie and, uh, whoever makes is Simon, Simon Pegg's not the director, is he? Uh, of like the hot fuzz movies and uh i don't i he's no 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 um dom would kill us if we didn't know that i know Um, but those those are shot kind of similarly and funny enough they're both english um so is danny boyle but um in any case you edgar right a lot of times you can see like the director's input quentin tarantino like you know it's a quentin tarantino movie uh about 100%. five seconds into the movie. When someone gets a paper cut and then they drown in their own blood that's produced by that small sliver. Yep. That's uh, that's his movie. Um, so, I don't remember. I do this every time. I don't remember who went first last time. Um, I went first last time because I did Killing Eve. Oh, all right. Well, I'm... I'm happy about that because I'm, I think, a little bit more excited to talk about your movie because uh, I love your movie. And I feel like you probably rated rated it like a five. So I want to jump into that. OK. Um, <laughs> so let me tell you what fucking happened to me. I, I wanted to watch Trainspotting because I've never seen it. And it's like a, one of those legendary movies that you have to see. Everybody's seen it. Everybody talks about it. Have you seen it? I have not. So not that I remember anyways. The name is so familiar to me. I'd be amazed if I haven't. But I don't remember ever watching it. You'll If you haven't seen it, you'll 100% recognize scenes. Like, you'll see something and you'll be like, oh shit, that was this movie. Because it's referenced so much in other shit. Uh, so, I went on to... I found out uh, none of... Uh, no Train Spotting was on Netflix. So I go on to YouTube and I... Rent train spotting for four dollars, no big deal. I start watching it, and it's uh, it looks really new. I was like, "What? What, what is happening?" Here? It was the second. 
Oh, no. It was the second. And I saw something in the very early beginning that made me kind of influence my whole watching of the first one. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Is this what happens to this person? Oh, fuck me. Uh, so, it, like, it ended up uh, being okay because I watched – I. In short, I watched fucking both movies today. <laughs> oh, so, hell yeah. So I crushed them. But uh, it was like a weird experience, like catching a glimpse of the future and then diving back in the past. Because um, the movies are 20 years apart. Uh, train, spot, train Spotting 1 is 1997, and this one was 2017. So crazy. That's awesome. Uh, and they both had Ewan McGregor, right? So he did both. Yeah, pretty much everybody the same yes um so then i go back on youtube and find out i clicked the wrong one because youtube doesn't have the first one which is so fucking annoying and then i find out uh the first one's on only on amazon so i went and got the first one and as i was watching it i was like well shit man like i'm crushing this and the short the first one's pretty short so i was like you know what i could do this i could watch both so i just i just blasted through them that's what I like to hear, man. Um, it was a, uh, it was it felt nice to watch, uh, something so, like that that holds so much reverence, that people hold so much reverence for, and uh, it was really fucking interesting to, not just go from a movie to a sequel right away. Like I'm so used to waiting for sequels, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it was wild because it was 20 years apart. So it was like, I don't know if I've ever experienced that. Before you get into the story too much. Yeah. Did you notice a huge difference in style between the two? Considering it's the same director, you would think they'd be somewhat maybe consistent. But after 20 years, I mean, like, did it feel the same? Did it kind of carry the same essence on it? Uh... I think Danny Boyle did a lot of shit in the first train spotting that you absolutely cannot get away with anymore. Um, oh. Like the fucking like racist all, stuff or what? No, I, I don't think any racist stuff at all. Probably because it's in Scotland where there's fucking no one but white people. <laughs> like, there was, uh, it was it, like a lot, a lot of violence. They're not violent. No, yeah, I take it back. There's a lot of violence. There's a lot of drug use, a, a boatload of nudity, like vaginas, dicks, boobs, everywhere. Um, and uh, there's like a lot of like disturbing images, like super disturbing, like spoilers, dead babies, uh, which is intense. And there, it was not that intense in this one. I think, uh, yeah, you just you probably just can't get away with it. And I think like that aspect probably made the first one so good. Like it was so yeah. down to earth. So um like shock value as well. Yeah, so gritty. Wow, they really went there. <laughs> yeah. Um and like some of the themes, like some of the topics was fucking wild. Uh I like I it made me realize like I think I think train spotting was good, but and I think it did age well. But I think to really have enjoyed it, I think I would have loved it if I saw it near closer, anywhere closer to the time it came out. I think I would have liked it more. So I've had this realization that if I think a movie's cool, I just I need to 
really try to watch it immediately so it doesn't like age so it doesn't like you know turn from wine to vinegar you know yeah um i gotta i gotta take that seriously because i feel like it would have just really impacted me and been a fucking amazing if i watched it in high school or something and then you would have always seen it in that light yes yes and i would have loved it a thousand times more revisiting it today and i would it would have made me like the second movie more um so this movie is about ewan mcgregor he's narrating um he is a hard heroin addict and all his friends except for one are hard heroin addicts just massive and they live in edinburgh scotland and they're it's just kind of the lifestyle of being a heroin addict and he opens up it opens up with like a close up on his face and he's smiling and it's all blurry and it's kind of weird and disturbing. And he talks and he talk and then it goes to him like passing out on the floor with his eyes rolling back. And he talks about how like in real life you worry about a mortgage, about getting a wife, about taking care of your kids, about your job, about paying for this, about doing that, going to the dentist, going to the doctor, all this shit. But with heroin, like I just have good times all the time. Like, it's just, why would you, why would, there's no choice to me. There's no choice. Just be, be in heroin land all the time. Um, and then, like, it starts out kind of fun. And, like, all the guys are having fun. And then it kind of shows, it unveils, like, the darker side. Where, like, what happens to them when they go a little bit too long without it. It's, you don't have long. It's crazy. Like, I did a bunch of research on it afterwards. And, like, you only have about 12 hours to get more. Or you start having the worst withdrawals ever that you could experience. It's like some of the worst pain a human could possibly experience. And it Shit. can often kill people because your brain just cannot can no longer function without it. And so your brain is just fucking messing up your body. And your whole body is just like convulsing. You're vomiting. You're hallucinating. It's just terrible. Um. And then so now it becomes a like survival thing. And then so not only does it feel fucking amazing to do it, but you are escaping the hell that you've created for yourself, you know, but you are addicted to it. But there's no hope for getting out of it unless you get over the withdrawal process. So you have to go through the withdrawals, which is like, I think, three to five days or something. Not a very long time. But if you can survive that immense pain, three to five days is awful. Yes, I know. It's not like a hangover. Like you have a bad day after you have a super big party and you're like, man, I hate my life. And then that's it. And then you're fine. Imagine Mm -hmm. a five day gnarly like daiquiri hangover. Right. You've had nothing but sugary drinks all night. You've had a, a way too many of them. You wake up the next day and your head is literally splitting open for five days. But unacceptable. Like, times it by by ten. Like you. Th- oh yeah. It's, go to the hospital. You have to go to the hospital. Um. Like did, in your research, did you see like what causes that? Obviously, yeah. but like what? Like you get it right. Boom! It's yeah. in you. And then it makes you feel great. And then you're coming off and you, why does your body all of a sudden want more of this thing and hurt you for it? It's like it, I'm probably fucking up the terms, but 
essentially like boosts the shit out of your dopamine or and it boosts it so high that it can't go back to normal levels and it can't regulate itself so your body like immediately thinks it needs that thing to regulate your dopamine so now you no longer can function without it um crazy to me and it's and it's straight up like one or two times will do that to you you know it's not it's not something you can pick up and drop it's crazy it's fucking game over if you if you do it it's wild it's crazy um like it's because you grow up thinking that like all drugs will do that to you and alcohol will do that to you but some some shit really does do that to you um and like it's this dude kind of going through like this the stages and he's like all of us have our moments where we try to quit and he'll like do one and he'll be passed out on the floor and he'll shoot up and he'll be like that was my last time hey guys that was my last time and they're like yeah yeah all right (laughs) um and then the pain will be too high and they'll just go back to it like they never no one ever quits it no one gets through the withdrawal step and then uh it just shows like how hard life is and um one of the scenes that i think is really famous that's really fucking intense is they live in like a drug house like five or six of them and uh there's like let me think one two three there's like four there's like four guys and one girl there and uh, or actually two girls and one in this girl one of the girls has a baby but because it's a, a drug den and everybody's kind of all over the place they've all hooked up with her like very cons- very frequently so, so no one know whose it is yes no Mystery one baby yes so the baby dies of neglect it's this really intense scene uh, someone's screaming and they're all coming down off like their heroin eyes and they just it just shows this scene where like they're all so slow to get their shit together but she's screaming screaming and uh everybody's like what is happening what the fuck and it takes too long to like get up and they get to the room and uh they like all the guys go to the crib and all the guys cry together because they all feel like it's their kid you know it's like they all lost a baby um and one guy hit it hits him harder than the others and you it's like he thinks that he was really the dad yeah really really the dad like everybody thinks oh that could have been my kid like it 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 might be legitimately and this guy's like i'm pretty damn sure that was my yes yes oh exactly um and then like the movie's mixed with a, a lot of like super trippy unreal stuff when he gets like really really high like there's this scene where he inserts like heroin suppositories into his butthole (laughs) and uh he wants to like sneak them out or something and uh so he puts them in his butt and like of course he realizes the second he walks out of this drug den that he has to take shit super hard and heroin makes you constipated so he's constipated for like days and he's like oh my god now i really really have to go and then he goes to what's dubbed the worst toilet in scotland and it's this place that's like up to your ankles and like shit water it's terrible and he goes and then he has to like stick his hand in the toilet he just shat in to get the heroin and it shows him it 
it's insane. So like, I didn't expect that this kind of thing to happen in this movie, but he's like reaching his hand in the toilet, and then he puts his other hand, he sticks his head in, and then his whole body gets sucked into the toilet. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. Um, and it was no CGI. Like he went in, and I was like, how the fuck did they do this? And I later found out they like cut the toilet in half, and they had a tunnel on the other side that you can't see, and he oh, just went that's... into the tunnel. And I was also happy to learn that all the shit was uh, chocolate and Hershey syrup. So it looked disgusting, but it probably smelled goddamn incredible. Oh, yeah. just I hope they, like, heated it up a little bit. It just, like, smells like chocolate chip pancakes while they're filming. Yeah. And uh, so it's full of scenes like that. And then what kicks the end of the movie, or the second stage of the movie is he, Ewan McGregor, goes way too far at one point and he overdoses and the guy that's a drug dealer drags his body into the street calls a cab puts him into the cab and tells him to drop him off at the at the er and then they bring him back and uh his parents who have seemingly had enough of him uh they decide to like really help him and they fucking put a lock on his door and they take care of him and it's intense and he starts hallucinating like the dead baby crawling around his room and shit and crazy and uh he comes back from it and he's able to stick the landing but his friends who are still heroin addicts drag him back into shit uh like they all like find out that he has a really good job and he's able to live on his own so they all crash his place and it's like a it's like a one it's like a studio apartment so they're all like four of them are sharing a bed and uh it, uh, and they just drag him into bad shit when he's doing really well. And then uh, basically there's like a scam that they pull off to get 16,000 pounds. And he realizes that his friends are going to just remain junkies or remain bad people. One friend in particular doesn't do drugs, but he just loves chaos basically. And he loves to hang out with junkie friends. And he loves to beat the shit out of everyone he talks to. Um so he realizes that the money is not isn't going to be used well in their hands and one one of his friends was like I would steal it if I were you. His best friend who's still a junkie was like I would fucking take it if I were you, man. And so in the middle of the night he takes off with it and then that was the picture of his face. He's walking across the bridge with that fucking duffel bag full of cash smiling and then it is blurred on his face and it zooms out. And uh, he talks about how what he's going to do with the money is go find a wife, go pay for a mortgage, go go to school, do all the things he said in the beginning of the movie that were hella dumb. Yeah. You know, he's now saying uh, that stuff is still better than what I had. Um, so it was like a cool, a really cool way to direct it and a really cool tie-in. And then I won't waste all my time going over the second movie, but... The second movie was him, 20 years later, returning to town and dealing with everybody when they're fucking pissed that he ruined their lives. Like, Oh, that he took off with all their cash? Yes. Yeah. So it's the whole second movie is a play on the first one. And it all, like, is, is like, all fan service and just, I, I think, kind of a bit of a money grab, if I'm going to be honest. Like, those happen, man. Especially when you have a movie that I'm assuming this was that had just a cult 
following. Like, yes. It did so well. The Boondock Saints did the same thing. Yes. Um, which... I don't remember. I think it was... I don't remember when Boondock Saints came out originally, but um, the second one came out in when we were freshmen. Oh, that was the best. Yeah, so uh, it wasn't showing in any theaters where we went to school, so I drove down to L.A. to go see it. <laughs> um, I remember we all watched it when we were able to pirate it. Yes. That was hot. I loved that. But uh, the first one I would was it was really good, really intense, and quirky and fast paced. My kind of movie. I would give it like a like a seven, and the second one like a five or six. But the second one was much more like sentimental, and I like that it wrapped it up. Like it wrapped it up really well. Oh, that's good. Um, and I mean, one like twenty years to develop that story. <laughs> yeah, they better be good, right? And like. One piece I didn't mention because I don't think she's totally important, but it is an a interesting plot in the first one, is uh, he hooks up with his girl at, at a club, and then he f- fucking realizes she's a basically a high schooler. Oh, no. It's pretty bad. And then she's like, I'm going to tell the cops if you leave me. So he like ends up kind of dating a high schooler, and this really freaked me out. The difference is a little less bad over there because age of consent is 16 so she was supposed to be 16 or 15 which is still just so fucking young to me it's like so no matter what you are, it, yeah it's you are a fucking child basically but uh she i was like i was thinking dude so did they get married in the second one but he married someone else and then i was like oh dang she's the one character that they haven't shown that i wish they would show and then they, they need a lawyer for something. And you, you see her, and she's a fucking high-powered lawyer. And I was like, yes! Sick! That is awesome. It's so funny. He's with uh, a, a girl for totally non-relationship reasons. Like, he's with a girl because she's like a business partner. And uh, as he's walking out, the lawyer friend, the girl, the high schooler from the last movie, grabs him, and she's like, hey, she's too young for you. <laughs> It's so funny. And he like he gave her this like smile and laugh because like he did not want a relationship with her when he found that out. Like at all. And she like kind of fucking forced him, conned him into it. Nowadays you fucking ask for a wallet or a ID before you do any of that shit. Yeah, let me see your ID. I see. want that birthday. Everybody has a black light and they're like looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, we're clear. We're good. Who was the president when you were born? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. I don't know that, actually. When we were born? Uh, Clinton. Right? Oh, no, senior. It was George Senior, right? Yeah, whoa. That's wild. All right, man. I'm very, very juiced to hear about your movie. Wait, I'm not finished talking to you. Oh, shit, sorry. No, it's totally fine. My just one last quick question is, uh, to the best of my knowledge, the movie I watched is the only Danny Boyle movie I've ever seen. So oh. I have no context, which makes me ill-equipped for this episode, unfortunately. But wait, you've seen Twenty Eight Days famous. Later, huh? 
You've seen 28 Days Later, right? You recently talked about it. You never saw it? No. Holy hell. You would love that one. So I know when you talked about it, I was like, damn, that sounds amazing. But what I wanted to ask you is, did you see any similarities in style between those movies? Oh, between the different movies? Yeah, between like 28 Days Later, probably 28 Weeks Later, um, and Trainspotting. Uh, wow. Maybe. Oh, God. Maybe the literally the only thing I think I can say is like the film style. Maybe. But yeah. they are so, so different to me. I never in my life thought that someone who made uh, 28 Days Later could could have what would be capable of making Trainspotting. They're so, so different. Interesting. Like, this dude is really fucking talented for the, the fucking variety of movies he can make. It's, I, like, I have a big, big respect for him after this. That's awesome. Um, yeah, man, so crazy. I uh, now I need to watch your movie, which we've somehow not mentioned this whole podcast. But I, I think know. it's to me, it's the best of his movies. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, I'll be honest with you, I did not want to watch it. Oh um, no! I had a feeling you wouldn't like it, well, but I need you to watch it really bad. I actually really liked it. Yes. <laughs> um. But when it came out, it was this huge success, and everybody was raving about it. It was like the parasite of back then. Yeah, exactly, 100%. And my perception of what it was about was very wrong. Oh, what did you think it was about? I honestly thought it was a like based on a true story... Like, some kid got his chance, made it to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and got it right, and it was like a feel-good movie. Mm. And I... Kind of close. Almost expected it to be like a documentary style. Mm. Like, this kid, like, studying his ass off. And let's be real, like, so many of those movies that win all those rewards and stuff, they're shit. Like, they're not that... Exactly, dude. And that's why, like, I... I completely thought it was one of those. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to watch a movie like that. Like, I'll watch anything else. Don't make me watch some bullshit, (laughs) true, true underdog story, a documentary style about some kid who goes on a game show. Like, I no. Um, But you you assigned it to me. You said, this is a Danny Boy movie. You got to watch it. I was like, okay, fine. I'll watch it. And. I'm actually really glad I did. Uh, it was awesome. Yes. What the movie is basically about, and the the way it was filmed, and this is why I asked you about like 28 Days Later versus Train Spotting and stuff, is because this movie uh, had a lot of like quick cuts um, <laughs> that I I always equate to Guy Ritchie movies. This is yeah. no way like a Guy Ritchie movie, but it was kind of similar in some ways where, like, especially when we're looking at the younger version of the main character, right? He's, like, running with his friend away from the cops, and it's, like, flashing back and forth, like, 
you know, the cops chasing them, they're running. It's like a bunch of different angles. And then it's like above them and it like zooms out a couple times. So it's like cool. these really cool shots and the, the way it kind of gives you the scale of their poverty in a way. And like mm-hmm. while, while doing this chase scene, like it's really cool concept of just how they filmed it. Um, but what I really liked about this is that, uh, I, I don't know how to explain it right, but it's like a disproportionate Y where there's like two paths and they're meeting at the present time. Right. So we uh-huh. have one path that's like what's happening in the present time. And it's like, you know, within a couple days, right. Mm-hmm. We have this timeline that's like a couple days long. And then the secondary timeline is this kid's whole life. Yeah. And the longer timeline is very quickly catching up to the now timeline. And then in the end, it, you know, I don't know how long the movie had left at that point, but it was like the last maybe 40 minutes, 30 minutes was the two sides of that story coming together to finish together. Mm -hmm. That was awesome and i love stuff like that so i was really happy with it not only with that style but like it was way darker than i thought hell yeah it was legit i again i thought it was going to be this feel-good underdog story and it was an underdog story but it was not feel good it was uh, the end was feel good but a lot of it was like oh this is super dark it's one of those situations i think where it's like oppressively dark to make the end feel even better yeah you know like if if there was no uh turmoil or adversity like the end would have been like uh it's yay happy but because he went through all this fucking garbage you're like yes yeah and one thing i really appreciated is so the the movie starts and it's like it has the text descriptor in the beginning of like you know this guy goes on who wants to be a millionaire and he won like why did he win and then it gives you a b c and d like who wants to be a millionaire and it oh, was like, i didn't know that did he like did he cheat uh i forget the four options but it was like you know did he cheat is he a genius uh you know was it destiny? Like, what was it? And then, like, those are the options. And then it kind of rolls into the movie. And we start off with him, like, being interrogated. And we're like, in oh, the, shit. In the, now. In the, as in in the, the now, yeah. So, like, the, the present day. And I didn't know this. So I didn't know how the movie was going to be laid out. Right. Until it was finished. But he's being interrogated. And I'm like, what the F is happening here? So I honestly thought that was part of the underdog story. was like he made it out from some camp or something. Yeah. Uh, but what we find out is that he's being interrogated by the police because they think he's cheating on the show. He's doing too good. There's no way he could be doing this good being from the slums. So how are you cheating? And like, we're going to get to the bottom of this. Um, and he starts to tell his story. He basically says, because I knew the answers. And I thought oh. that was, you knew all the answers ahead of time cheating. And I was like, this is going to be a story about him cheating. Hell yeah. But what it is, (laughs) is the cop takes him off. Dude, he's like hanging in like a shower with like a battery attached to him. Like it's bad. And then 
the guy pulls him down and he sits him in like the police station like a normal person and he puts on the show and question by question they go through it and so like then it flashes to him being on the game show which is somewhat of a flashback in itself but it's still considered the present Mm -hmm. uh, for the sake of the movie so he's in the police station it goes to the show and then and then we're there like live like it was real time and it takes it the show and it's like you know who's on the hundred dollar bill or whatever the hell and like they'll ask the question and then it will jump to the secondary timeline of his past and that's what i loved is that every question the reason he knew the answers was because some significant life event that <sighs> made it so that he would never forget so like that's crazy with example of the hundred dollar bill like he had escaped this like a seeming like child trafficker basically who like damaged children who could sing so that they would make more money on the street and like pimp out little street singers and the whole movie the basis behind the whole movie is when he was a very young kid him and his brother were on the streets together and then they found this little girl who was also on the streets together and they became like a trio and he got separated from her and his whole mission throughout like his entire life is to find this girl and he runs into her a couple times throughout his life and it's like his goal is to be with her he loves her and like that's you know fate keeps separating them Mm -hmm. but uh he goes to one of the blind singer kids that he was kidnapped with basically and doing some shenanigans he had gotten a hundred dollar american bill from some you know couple touring india and he goes (laughs) to this kid and he hands him a bill and the kid is blind so he smells it and he's like how much and he's like 100 and he's like bullshit who's on the bill (laughs) and he's like i don't know it's some old guy with long hair and the blind kid is like it's benjamin franklin and then it goes back oh. to him on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and he's like, it's Benjamin Franklin. And the cop is like, how the fuck did you know that? And we see that every time we see the history, it's him telling the cop about why he knew the answer. So like, those are the two timelines converging. It was so well done, and the story was so intense and infuriating. <laughs> and heartwarming like it was a lot of good things in one um so i definitely see why it did well it was infuriating when like he got so close to her and then didn't do yes like i oh his brother made me so mad dude oh he becomes quite the prick he becomes dude i'm pretty sure he rapes the chick yeah fuck me yeah and like i would have killed him like that's crazy to me uh but he like decides that until that moment i really liked him the brother because he was kind of like a more stick up like i'm stronger than my younger brother i gotta defend him kind of guy yeah they make off with a ton of money and he the first thing we see is they get a nice hotel yeah (laughs) sleeping on the streets and he's raiding the mini bar and he's like pouring all of the drinks into one bucket. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, he gets trashed. Um, and then he takes off. And that's the frustrating part is when he comes back, he's like blitzed. 
and thinking he's the man and he like kicks his younger brother out and takes advantage of this chick i was like oh, oh, okay at that point i forgot yeah. about that. first what was they're, that they're young at that point i forgot about that. they've got to be like 10 like, like in the older guys. brother maybe like 13 yeah that was dark dude it was bad it was really gross uh and that made me super frustrated and then what's crazy is the next time we see him he's like 19 or something like i don't know yes. how old he is we but go he's like way while. older and he hasn't seen or talked to his brother and so you see that they reconnect and he's like under some huge mafioso um the older brother is yeah and it like he doesn't feel like he did anything wrong he's like oh my god we left a message for you it's been so long and the younger brother's like I want to push you off the building. Like, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was really good, man. I'm glad you made me watch it, because I would have never watched it otherwise. Yes. Yes. That, uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember it being one of my favorite movies, and I just knew it was good. I thought, uh, I didn't know what you'd think about it, but I knew it was at least a little bit better than what you thought thought it would be yeah it was it was far better than i expected and maybe that's because i had very low expectations that's always helpful um that is always helpful makes everything better um but what as far as directing goes um what i really liked are the the quick fast-paced shots that they do especially like there's a lot of running going on in this movie. Kids yeah. Running away from cops. They essentially, these kids, like, what I also like is uh, they are basically trying to make money at every turn, especially as younger children. So they're trying to take advantage of people. They end up escaping this, like, weird dude that traffics, like, children. And then they're, like, riding the trains all the time. And they're, like, stealing from people in the trains, which is hilarious. <laughs> they, get, they get knocked off by somebody catching them. Mm. And they get knocked off outside of the Taj Mahal. And so they're oh, like, what yeah. is that? Like, and they go over there. And <laughs> they're like, oh, my God, these tourists think we know everything about the Taj Mahal. And they start, like, stealing people's shoes and taking advantage of, like, dumb tourists who are like, tell me about the Taj Mahal. And they're like, oh, I'll tell you everything you want to know for 100 bucks or whatever. So tons of like funny, just go get them shit like that, that I really liked. Um, and it was just, everything was fast paced for the most part. And, and there's something I can really, really appreciate about jumping back and forth in time. That is, I don't think you really, uh, appreciate it until you try to do it. Or you try to think about doing it, and you're like, man, how would I make this movie? And it's like, dude, where do you cut? Oh, God, like, so you're hard. In, you're in the middle of a moment. Where do you stop this moment and jump back 20 years? Yeah. And where do you stop that moment and jump forward, you know, to, to back where you were? You know, it's it's so complex. And this movie did that for two hours. It was great. It was a long one, right? It was two hours, just over two hours. Okay. Um, yeah, dude, so sweet. I, you know, maybe his directing style. Now that I think about it, is like, uh, 
He doesn't spend a lot of time on shit, and it's quick cuts, a lot of movement, fast pace. Because I, I feel like I could speak that way of at least my two movies, Trainspotting 1 and 2, but now I'm thinking of 28 Days Later, and it 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 was like a it was like a fizzling to an explosion kind of movie like it's tension 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 and then really really crazy but like and that's, it was, it's interesting to see and i i would have to do a lot of comparison but like there's a certain amount that the director is in charge and then there are other people who have input right yeah so like in the movies that are similar, you're like, okay, maybe he had a bit more free reign. And then in the movies that are not, it's like, okay, who else was in charge? Like, what's their style? You know, what are we compromising on in these movies that maybe we didn't have to in Slumdog Millionaire versus 28 Days Later? Like, that kind of stuff is also super interesting, where it's like, okay, instead of mostly Danny Boyle's style, are we seeing, you know, some producer or, you know, whatever? Yeah, I... You know, I I feel very confident on like calling different movies by di- by their directors, but I would not be able to do it with with him. And I tip my hat to that. I could not tell you like what a Danny Boyle movie is. One hundred percent. Like you can you can smell a Christopher Nolan movie, yes, a Guy so Ritchie much. movie, a Tim Burton movie. Like you see any of those. Uh, and you're like, okay, I know exactly who did this. Who who did this to me? Like, you can tell. Uh, but I feel like his movies are probably all over the place, just based on the titles I saw. I, f- I feel like th- being able to predict the the movies or the directors behind the movie is, is good and bad. It's good because, like, if you know you're really into, like, uh, Tarantino movies, Nolan movies whatever movies you're like okay so i'm i'm probably high likelihood if i'm really into these movies i'm probably gonna like it i'm gonna go i'm gonna not even think about it i'm gonna go to the movies well in the old days go to the movies i'm gonna rent this for 20 bucks on on amazon or hulu my heart's so bad i know me too uh but it could go against them too like if someone is kind of shitty uh or you think they're shitty like you're not inclined to see their shit oh damn that's i know this director who's that i don't want to see that m night Shyamalan faced that same thing oh yeah he got that real hard good call good pull Yeah, like what was so he did signs which was just absurdly fantastic and then the next one was what the village or lady in the water yep one of those was good i never saw it but everybody shit on it everybody thought it was awful and i actually i should go watch that tonight um because i've never seen it and it's cool to me it's i like great. i like Shyamalan a lot um, me too everything i've seen of his is great even the, I, mean, I think we've talked about this too the village the first time i saw that i was mad i was Same. wanted it to be a straight monster movie and i was like dude what the hell was that like not what i wanted at all yeah and then i watched it again like couple years later and i was like actually this was awesome you look at everything differently the second time you're like oh fuck i can't believe that's fake i can't believe these guys are doing this thing uh i can't believe they could be so easily handling this problem because they're not actually in the fucking 1300s or whatever yeah 
Um, so wild. I uh, I honestly think Last Airbender ruined his career, man. I think that's what fucking killed him. When was that? <sighs> Let me see. Let's see here. Last Airbender. Two, uh, 2010. Oh, wow. Uh, it was... I mean, you take something that's so revered by fans and so loved, and you fuck it up to that degree. Oh, boy. I was really worried about J.J. Abrams for Star Wars for that same kind of reason. Oh, yeah. I was like, dude, I love J.J. Don't fuck it up, J.J. I want you to... I'm amazed people stepped up to the task for Star Wars. I realize that's partially... And I guess that's just, like, my mentality. But, like, I... You set a precedent like that. I'm not gonna step up and be like, "Yeah, I got this." I'd be like, mm, "That's a little out of my league." And to and to be a person that thinks this is in my league and I'm gonna take it, like that's another level. Dude, Rian Johnson when he did uh, the second of the new trilogy, ooh, the Last Jedi, oh fucked it up. Everybody's shitting all over his face now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> shitting all over his face. Yeah. Speaking of, that was one thing I wanted to mention. Uh, uh, mention on you mentioned in Train Spotting, you and McGregor gets covered in shit. And yeah. in Slumdog Millionaire, one of the characters, well, young Jamal, like one of the questions. I think it was actually the first question. Um, was who was the star of you know whatever movie? And it flashes back to him as a child being a huge fan of this actor. And they're like doing some kind of porta potty scheme where they like make people pay to, to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and he's in the bathroom and they lose a customer. And then this dude's helicopter comes out and they're like, oh my God, it's him. He's coming. And his friend, because he made him lose a customer, locks him in the bathroom. So he jumps down the potty hole into a pile of poop. Comes out covered in shit. Oh, oh, is it is it the brother or a main guy? Uh, the main guy is the kid that gets trapped in the bathroom and has to jump down the hole. But uh, I think the brother locks him in. Uh oh yeah, he was a fucking prick. And then he gets the autograph, right? He gets the autograph, and then his brother (laughs) sells it. Oh God, his brother's prick. Like. You know, I maybe would have killed him earlier. I don't know. Uh, that is one thing I liked, though. Spoiler alerts. Uh, the brother does kind of compensate for his sins uh, throughout yeah. his life and definitely makes up for it. I don't uh, think they could have got it out without him at the end, you know? Correct. It would I not think. have. And then... What made me laugh, I think, because it was actually a really heavy-hitting movie, uh, yeah. all things considered. Did you watch the end credits? Do you remember that? They're doing, like, the a dance? huge group <laughs> dance number, dude. It's so like a Bollywood dance movie. That caught me so off guard when I first saw it. I was like, what is happening? I think... I, I don't know. My speculation is that it was, A, a play on the fact that it was just a... Uh, India-based movie, 
and B, you've got to do something to cheer everybody up after that. I think it was like an, an ode or... Yeah, I think it was like an homage to them. Like, yeah. this is what happens in fucking Bollywood. We're doing it right. Let's exactly. do it. Yeah, it was so funny. I was like, what? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> it was so wild. So wild. Um, yeah. I've grown to really like that actor. I So what's... I didn't look him up, but the main actor looked really familiar to me. Um, the police officer that was interrogating him was the CEO of Jurassic Park in the newer Jurassic Park movie. Oh, no way. Yeah, the guy... I the guy that was fucks in- up the helicopter? Yes! Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's him. Bro, he lost some weight. Like, he looks good in Jurassic Park. He, he was pretty thin in this movie. Oh, I thought he was fat <laughs> no well there is a fat officer that keeps beating the shit out of him but oh the, the that's partner oh fuck that yeah 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 i just moved over and you're right you're right yeah but the main kid he looked super familiar to me but i don't know why uh he he's in a lot of shit now um so he was in lion if you've seen that nope Christ. So that, I think, is what you thought you were going to see, which is hilarious, because that came out in 2016, and what you're describing is, from what you thought it was is, is that. So it's about this kid, a true story, about this kid that gets separated from his family in India, grows up, and then finds all his family members one by one and shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> exactly. It's so it's hella good. It's hella good, but not as good as Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, uh, he was also in Last Airbender. What? Uh, yeah. He was not Aang, was he? No, no, no. He was uh, Zuko. He was in Chappie. Have you seen that? Yeah. He was the, in... the robot movie, right? Yep. He was yeah, the guy yeah. that created Chappie. Um, I saw him very recently in um, Modern Love. Uh, his story was sweet. I love that. Like, they broke down different stories. Uh, I think it's an Amazon show or Hulu, one of the two. Basically, like, they do different. Each episode is a different love story. Yeah, you talked about this one, too, with Anna Kendrick. Yeah, it was really good. And his he was on there. And uh, he was like a a guy who was in such a tragic, terrible relationship that he went on to create a dating app to prevent other people from landing in the wrong relationships, and he became a bazillionaire. Hell yeah. And he realized that, like, his own app couldn't help him find love, and, like, he had to patch things up with the girl. It was so good. Um, I should probably know his name. Dev Patel. I feel like that's an easy name to remember. Dev Patel. Yeah, he's great. Dude, he's, he's fucking born in the 1990s, basically our age. Hell yeah. Good for him. Yeah, killing it, bro. Love that guy. Um, yeah, he's sick. Dude, uh, well, what's your buddy's name that recommended Danny Boyle? Because I'm pretty happy about my movie. Movies. Uh, Timur Bear, or Tim Bear. The so yeah, Tim, guy. Tim, thank you so much for recommending Danny Boyle. Um, I would not have watched Slumdog Millionaire if you hadn't, so much appreciated. <sighs> Good job, man. Uh, and thank you for steering me in the right direction. I feel like I watched some really solid movies. 
Um, I think we should do this survey more often, dude. We got a lot of good shit in there. Dude, most definitely. Um, we'll come up with some some good questions and shoot it out there and see what happens. Yeah. Um, so are we winding down here? I think so. Do you have anything uh, to add? Yeah, I have one really important thing to add. Uh, everybody, we need to rally together real hard to get Alex to finish his fucking side project, which is a really good podcast about heists. It's going to be amazing. I've heard all of them, and it needs to be released to the world. And uh, this is just more pressure, more peer pressure for you to get it done. I appreciate that. Um, if you want to hear it, anybody, let us know. If you're interested in heists or true crime or whatever, uh, let us know. Let me know. Um, I'm a little bit gun shy about it, but I've completed three episodes, and I've got to say I'm pretty proud of them. Um, but they take me a long ass time <laughs> to, to do so. Uh, but anyways, we'll we'll see how that goes, man. Uh, I think it's gonna be a huge hit. Way bigger than this podcast, if I'm going to be so real. It's good. If that's the case, I will do everything in my power to pull this podcast up. We have two major league podcasts. I am a fan of that. Um, What is your future podcast called? It is called Pulling a Jobcast. Uh, Even the name is better. Oh, so good. I don't know if it's better. I like Alex and Sterling Watch stuff, but... Pulling a job cast, the highest podcast. Can't wait, man. Cheers to that. Cheers to that feature cast. Thanks, buddy. Um, how can they reach us? They can reach us by emailing <coughs> sWspodcast at gmail.com. Bless you, Sterling. Sorry. Um, so sorry. You can uh, find us on social media. Uh, on any of our socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, ASWS Podcast, or Alex and Strong Watch Stuff. You can text us at 415-488-5031. 415-488-5031. Please feel free to text us uh, or leave a voicemail. Or, if you're lucky enough, Sterling will accidentally pick up and you'll talk to the live Sterling from the <laughs> Alex and Sterling Watch Stuff podcast. Um, that could happen. Uh, or you can go to our website. We are uh, comments are always available on the website, so you can just comment on episodes and we will see them. Um, ASWS dot show again. ASWS dot show. Uh, good night. Do we ever say that? Good night. Good night. You should. Good night. Good night for us, but uh, you know, it could be in the morning. But I like that. Just say. What do you say to someone who doesn't acknowledge time? Have a have a good now. Uh, have have good stuff happen. Have a stellar spin around the sun, bruh. <laughs> They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just peeled the three people out there. <laughs> There, I'll tell you right now, there's got to be more than three people. There's probably a million people in the world that like that. I I hope so. And if we have a million people listening, we're off to off to the races. Challenge accepted. All, All right, right man. Man. catch you later. Bye.